Hello and welcome to SWAT Radio with Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. So happy you are listening today. I am Taylor Johnson, and if you would like to join us in our discussion, please call us at 1-844-777-7928. That's 1-844-777-SWAT. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask, A-S-K, at SWATradio.com. And if you are listening to the podcast because you missed us live, you can also send us your questions on Facebook and Twitter. At SWAT Radio Talk is the handle. That is at SWAT Radio Talk. And we will be sure to answer your questions just as soon as we are together in the studio uh, again. Well, today we are looking at Acts. We're finishing up Acts chapter 7, verses 18 through 53 looking specifically at uh, verses 44 through 50. But before we get into that, we're going to talk a little bit about the news of the day, what's kind of been going on around the country and the world. So, Doug, what do you know? Well, I don't know much of anything right now because (laughs) our world is so crazy. I mean, like um, everything going on uh, with our country. um, And, you know, one of the things that's surprising to me is uh well i don't know if you saw this uh i think it was yesterday uh or maybe early this morning uh black lives matter organization mm. sided with the palestinians that's mm-hmm. no surprise though right yeah i mean why why should that surprise anybody that uh black lives matter organization which is anti-biblical and uh, anti-god in their value system uh, is pro Hamas, uh, and and that conflict continues to intensify every day. I mean, it's not going down. Um, and Israel is resolute in their, uh, you know, their desire to protect themselves, and they're going to do that, even though, uh, you know, uh, there's there's people in Congress who are saying that. Uh, that it's Israel who started it, which is crazy. Um, anyway, uh, they, they people up in our capital are pointing out that Israel's bombing buildings and doing all this stuff. Yeah, but they're not making any reference to all the three thousand plus rockets that have been fired. That continue to get fired. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and then uh, I believe Biden was, you know, um, telling Israel to de-escalate you know, as rockets are being fired at Israel. And so it's just a little crazy. And then just to give you a mindset into uh, the, the, the mindset of the, some of the Palestinian people is, uh, you know, I don't know if you saw this, but the IDF, there's a video came out, was warning a Gaza man to evacuate himself and his children before a bombing. And he responded, you know, we want to die. If the children need to die, then they'll die. Like that is the level of, mindset of people that you're dealing with and yet we want to say oh you know israel's in the wrong when israel's trying to give everyone opportunity to protect life as much as possible it's uh you know a revealing double standard and uh i think somebody oh no i won't i can't remember who wrote it but someone wrote an article um you know calling out that hypocrisy and how it relates to you know the kurds um uh for example and why there's not the same level of uh, devotion from the far left to other people who don't have a homeland. 
Well, uh, you know, the this was just posted today, uh, and it basically says that um, uh, Black Lives Matter, this is their quote, okay, stands in solidarity with Palestinians. We are a movement committed to ending settler colonialism in all forms and will continue to advocate for Palestinian liberation, always have and always will, free Palestine. And so, again, when you buy into critical theory and you buy into oppressor oppressed, there is no biblical mandate for anything. There's no uh, thing. But, you know, Black Lives Matter has a history of anti-Semitism. I mean, uh, uh, the leaders of Black Lives Matter organization praise a guy named Louis Farrakhan, Mm -hmm. uh, and he's anti-Semitic. And he accused Israel of committing genocide and basically having an apartheid state. Um, And so uh, when you think about that, and that is a a movement that if you criticize the Black Lives Matter organization, in fact, uh, there's a I think there's a teacher or some school administrator being sued here in Florida for – telling a teacher that the teacher decorated the room oh. in black lives matter uh s- stuff i think and, that was not it's that here was in, in jacksonville yeah, yeah yeah and so meanwhile um our country right now is in a bad way because you we're about to see hyperinflation mm-hmm. you've got a problem going on you've got young people who basically are telling employers to just to take a hike that they're they're done because they get as much money More. sitting at home mm-hmm. not doing anything than they get working for restaurants or in some other places and uh, you know if you're a believer you don't work for money if you're a believer you work because we're commanded to work money is god's provision for you through whichever employment you work at. But if you're not working and you have an ability to work, the Bible says you shouldn't eat. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty clear. And, um, and so to, to, so if you're sitting at home when you have an ability to work, but you're choosing not to, you don't work for money. You work because that's where God has you as a missionary where God's using you. And, um, it's, um, you know, it's sad right now what's happening with all the people. I was talking to a guy the other day who uh, runs a company, and he said he's having a really hard time with uh, people who are under 40. Um, they come in with demands. They don't, mm-hmm. they're don't. they not even happy to have a job. Mm-hmm. It has to be a specific thing. That, and he goes, we're way past the time where people were just happy to have a job. They're very, they feel entitled to have a job and you know, what's going to happen. Don't you, when the bottom falls out and it will, um, people are going to be going, Oh my goodness. I have to be happy to work anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of places, places like, uh, Chick-fil-A and other restaurant owners in town and small businesses are really struggling to get people to work in these hourly wage jobs. Yeah. And you know, part of that is, uh, I think, uh, to 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 qualify for the benefits, you have to work under 20 hours a week. So what a lot of people will do is they'll work 
uh, up until that point, and then they'll just call out, call out, and call out, and to make sure that they are able to still get the benefits. But then also the federal government is offering, uh, you know, with the COVID stuff, in, in addition to unemployment, which uh, pushes people up way past what they could make on their own. And so a lot of people are saying, well, I can make more money doing this, uh, doing nothing than, than doing this. And I, that's that's part of, a, I, I would say, first a, a uh, degrega- degradation of, you know, personal responsibility and the, the – uh, the individual's uh, conscience, right? Mm-hmm. But it's also uh, evidence of a of, of a disregard or a lack of faith in our institutions and in our society as a whole. Because if you have, you know, at least some sort of a a form of you know respect for the institutions, or you think that you know society is going to carry on well, or that you have a part to play in what happens in society, you're not going to do those type of things. But if you have a, a an idea that you know what this is all going to, you know you know, where in a handbasket that this is all that our society's done anyway, I'm going to get mine. Yeah. Then you start to see stuff like this. Well, in second Thessalonians three is where Paul says, if someone is unwilling to work, let them not eat. I mean, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. pretty, that's pretty straightforward. Um, you know, and, uh, the, the word, the, the key part of that is if someone is what unwilling, yeah, unwilling, it's not that they don't have, an ability to it's that they're unwilling um so i i think that uh we we have become lazy and entitled as a culture uh, as a whole and even i don't know it's just uh i, I think we've gotten away from a biblical view of creation mm-hmm. we've gotten away from a biblical view of marriage we've gotten away from a biblical view of work yeah. because most people view work is something that brings in their money and provides for their family. They've stopped looking to God mm-hmm. as their provider. Yeah. They look at their work. I deserve this. I've worked hard, you yeah. know. Yeah, and that part of that, you know, moving away from a agricultural society, right? Like where you are dependent on uh God to bring the rains, uh kind of leads to that type of a mentality mm-hmm. whereas if you're if you're, you know, daily bread is really coming from what you grow out of the ground you're much more dependent on god and yet you're more independent in the sense that you're not relying on you know the grocery store to have the food that you need and stuff so in 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 some aspects we're giving up our our independency and we're trading in our dependency uh instead of it being on god it's on man and the system that you know we're surrounded by yeah well I think in light of all the – oh, by the way, uh, I was reading something in the news, why this made public news, uh, but it just further shows the debased mind of our culture. Demi Lovato, who is a <laughs> yeah, singer, mm-hmm. is now coming out as a um, non-binary, and she wants to be referred to as a they. Now, that doesn't even make sense. Yeah, I mean, like, it's gonna, it's confusing. What do you mean, they? They said, if she's not a they, mm-hmm. she's a she or a he, but she's not a they, and she is a she. Yeah. And, and that, that uh, corruption of the language is an effort to um, you know, keep people from being able to connect with each other and keep people separated so that you more easily be controlled. Yep. You it's know. all about control, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, we are up against the break, so we will be back with more after the break. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at SWAT Radio Talk is the handle. That is at SWAT Radio Talk. And you can download our SWAT app in the App Store. 
You're listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts and truck rental and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles, if you've been hearing the same old voice at the same old lies, if you're trying to feel the same old holes inside, there's a better life. There's a better life. If you got pain, he's a pain that is Chainbreaker by Zach Williams. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And if you are just joining us, we are talking a little bit about what has been going on in the news. And we will then be transitioning over to finish our discussion on Acts chapter 7, verses 18 through 53. So stick with us. Here we go. Yeah, we were talking about Demi Lovato, who is an entertainer. She's been on some... Uh, what was that program she was on? on Disney Channel? No, no, no. She was on <laughs> Disney, but she was also oh, oh. like a judge on something. Yeah, some like one a, of those singers. She was a judge on something with Simon Cowell, but she's very well known among young people. So she is influential. People know who she is. And now she's saying she's non-binary. I don't know which sex I, I really want to identify with. Now, here's what's so crazy about that. This is the debased mind of Romans 1. Remember, we've talked about this numerous times. In Romans 1, when you suppress the truth about God, it leads to a sexual revolution, which we saw in the U.S. in the 60s, 70s. It leads to a homosexual revolution, which we saw in the 80s and 90s. And now it is leading to a debased mind where we call things wrong that are right and right that are wrong. And even people testifying. Now, listen, there was an expert declaration in a federal court. What that means is somebody comes in who is a medical expert. This was a professor at Duke University School of Medicine and the director of the Duke Center for Child and Adolescent Gender Care. All right. So this is this is a, quote, medical expert. And listen to what she says. This is really important. From a medical perspective, the appropriate determinant of sex is gender identity. Every other method is bad science, she claims. It is counter to medical science to use chromosomes, hormones, 
internal reproductive organs, external genitalia, or secondary sex characteristics to override gender identity for purposes of classifying someone as a male or female. Now, that's just dumb, okay? That's just dumb. That is, I mean, it's not even, that's so counter. Think about it. Why don't these same people apply those when you're looking at biology of a whale or let's say a a mammal, another mammal out there, uh, they won't do that. No, this is the male. This is the female. Only with the, um, I don't even, I've got to be careful of adjectives here. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just dumb. Taylor, I mean, it, I mean, can you believe she she testified in federal court as an expert witness, and that's what she said. Yeah, R.I.P. to science, right? I mean, the fact that it is against science is not that that is um, you know just verifiably false. But science obviously is not dealing in facts anymore, as we've seen over the past year. And we're talking, you know, science is being used when scientism is what should be used, which is to apply. Uh, science to your overall complete worldview like that's all your worldview is and uh, you know people can obviously uh, lie under oath right I mean we saw that happen well well, listen she she was asked about now so uh, what exactly is gender identity that's supposed to be the true medical determinant of sex and so she said it's a person's inner sense of belonging to a particular gender such as male or female. Now, just by saying that, she's not even limiting it to male or female. Um, and now they're saying that it can include both or neither, like Demi Lovato saying both. Mm-hmm. And so the American Psychological Association defines gender identity as a person's inner sense of being male, female, or something else. And so she asserts on record that being transgender is not a mental disorder but a normal developmental variation and that medical and mental health professionals who specialize in the treatment of gender dysphoria are in agreement with this view and that's not true yeah i mean i think the people that are are you know in agreement with another worldview and their religion and like what we've called on this uh program a lot is wokeism you know that's their religion and so that's what they're adhering to and they're taking, you know, they're they're not looking. They're they're trying to say that science is in in, in line with that, um, but that's not the truth. And I think they're doing considerable damage to themselves as far as people's trust for scientists and medical experts and and the like. Because the the average person, you know, has a brain and two eyes, and they can discern what the truth is. Uh, to you know, at least in a relative aspect like that. Um, you know, so I think they're just really hurting themselves, and there's going to be a backlash against expertise, quote unquote. You know, coming in the well, future. Well, this is a this is a lady at the Duke University Medical Center. So, um, and here's the worst part. And and parents, you better be listening. These are conversations you better be having with your children because they they're trying to teach this to young children, and now they've even got a a a, a book called the genderbred person like the gingerbread but genderbred and it teaches that when it comes to sexuality these gender people have five characteristics um gender identities how you and your head define your gender uh, uh gender expression is the way you present your gender through the way you dress um 
Third is the biological sex, the physical sex characteristics you're born with. And the final two are in regard to your sexual orientation. What are you sexually attracted to? And what are you romantically attracted to? And so uh, they, they have this little graphic called the genderbred person to teach children. And I, I, I'm just like, we have so gone into Romans 1 uh, debased mind here that it is uh, it's it's not even uh, an issue of us debating it I mean it's just out there for everybody to see so if you're a believer just know that's where we are we've suppressed the truth about God and that's where we are so mm-hmm. and you know this is not something that you know you can say oh hey this is the reality and point out you know facts of biology and all that this is a worldview this is a religion and, you know, it's it, it, the question becomes what to do about it. You know, uh, as Christians, obviously, we pray and and we teach our kids uh, the truth. But as on a societal level, when we have two, you know, separate visions of what reality is, I'm the, the potential for uh, uh, violence and destruction has got to be, you know, that's on my mind. Like, how do we? Uh, navigate this when there's a significant portion of uh, the public and specifically people who are uh, in positions of authority who are pushing this this well, well insanity. Here's, the, here's the thing and this is um, kind of where i'm getting to in this it's a new form of gnosticism mm-hmm. basically um, but it's full of different contradictions all right um, they say that it's a social gender is a social construct uh, while asserting that a person can be trapped in the wrong gender. Yeah. All right. They say that there's no meaningful difference between a man and a woman, yet they rely on sex stereotypes mm-hmm. to argue that gender identity is real, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, promote a radical individualism where people are free to do whatever they want and they define truths objectively unless you don't agree with their truth. And they try to make you buy into transgender ideology. Um, and so all these things are, are, they have these contradictions. And so the next time you somebody wants to know what you believe about that, just simply ask them, well, do you mind if I ask you a question? Would you say that you're a tolerant person, you know, and put them in the position of having to talk about what they believe instead of you because they try to set traps for you but if how can one's identity be identity be unchangeable which they claim is immutable that's who they really are uh if it's you know if it, if it's a part of an ever-changing social construct it's just the whole thing is crazy to me yeah uh, how they're trying to do all this so yeah it is you know it, when you look at it and it does not hold up to scrutiny in any way and i think for some people who kind of oh that sounds like a good thing and kind of are accepting it because they're ignorant of you know really the in-depth and then you you point some of those things out and there's the potential there for them to be like oh well yeah that doesn't make sense but for the people who are really pushing this they are um bought into it hook line and sinker and the truth does not matter to them. It just, it's their religion. Like I said, you yeah. got to have the element of faith that comes in with it. Uh, like I remember back, you remember Rachel Dolezal, mm-hmm. the girl who pretended 
or she said she identified as a black woman. You know, she lived for years as, yeah, a, yeah. as a black woman, quote unquote. Yeah. So these people who say they identify as both, what does it feel like to feel like both? What does that mean? You know, what does it feel like to be a man if you take your biology away? <laughs> I, I mean, really, what does that feel like? I, can you identify a feeling? Does it, what does it mean you like to play with Tonka trucks? I mean, like, how do you describe that feeling? Yeah. You know, uh, so I think the whole thing is part of a social construct of people who are against God's design, who are against his word, who suppress the truth about him. And he's turned our nation over at this point because all this stuff is being codified and our president is saying this is the most important civil rights issue of our day which is ludicrous yeah and you know, it's uh yeah it's something else man i tell you for real like, like <laughs> you know 20 years ago i mean there was people who talked like this and had these ideas but it would have been considered absurd to hear a, a politician kind of talking now many of our politicians talk now and yeah it's just a a sad state of affairs for our country and and like you said it is god giving us over to what we've said that we wanted and that is that debased mind and and there's a, a a significant element of I think where this comes from. There's a significant element of uh, the culture and of people who really are that against God and Christianity that they want to tear tear apart any sort of uh, frame in society that is uh, adherent to the Christian worldview, and they want to take it apart and create something new because they want to go completely against what is. The, the truth well yeah well they want to say that it's innate and it's unchanging that gender identity mm-hmm. and and yet if if that's how i mean if 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 our gender identity is biologically determined and immutable or self-created and change changeable it can't be our gender identity can't what we identify but we don't apply that in any other realm of life where we identify with something we either believe in jesus and he's true like if I identify with Christ, he's either true or he's not true. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not what I feel. It doesn't matter, right? Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's definitely, like I say, it's, it's a lot of faith that is uh, pent up and involved with that. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I could talk about it all day, but we are up against the news break. So stick with us. We will be back with more after the news. You're listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. to SWAT Radio. That was David Crowder with Red Letters. If you are just joining us, we are looking at Acts chapter 7 this week, verses 18 through 53. Today we are going to be focusing on verses 44 through 50, and we're going to be wrapping it up um, uh, as far as our look on this passage. So if you have missed any of our looks so far uh, this week for 18 through 53 uh, in chapter 7, you can visit us at www.swatradio.com. Again, that's www.swat.com. 
swatradio.com, and you can click on the past programs link. There you'll be able to find our full catalog excuse me, of programs, uh, including this one in about an hour uh, or, or an hour and 30 minutes, an uh, hour after we are uh, wrapped for the day. But again, that's www.swatradio.com. And now we are going to be talking about how Stephen defends himself uh, against the uh, blas- or the uh, charge of blasphemy uh, against the temple. And again, that's chapter or verses 44 through 50. Yeah, and re- again, this is the fourth of four charges made against him. Uh, he was accused of by falsely of blaspheming against God, against Moses, the temple, and the law. You know, here's the thing about Stephen. Uh, he's only spends probably somewhere between a few weeks and a month or so as a believer, uh, as, as a, a believer who is indwelled by the Holy Spirit because he was a Hellenist Jew from outside of Jerusalem, outside of Palestine. He comes in, the apostles preach the message, and he believes in Jesus of Nazareth and is indwelled by the Holy Spirit and he's selected to serve. And in a relatively short time, he gets thrown in front of the Sanhedrin, brought up on false charges that I just shared with you. And we saw that God calls us to defend the faith by being a bold witness. Um, and he starts off by teaching them from their Torah, going back, defending against those charges, against the first charge, of blas or the greatest charge actually of being uh, blasphemous against God by taking them back to Psalm 29, where seven times in that little psalm it says the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord did this, the voice of the Lord does this, and he's making a statement because he uses the term God of glory, and the only place that's found in the Old Testament is Psalm 29. So he's taking them back there, and he's telling them that the new covenant is not against God. This new covenant in Jesus, uh, believing that Jesus is Messiah, is not against the one true living God like they are alleging. He's saying, I'm for God. I'm part of God's story. And then he goes into uh, the story of Joseph, and he tells Joseph, and just for sake of time, uh, I'm going to remind you that we talked about him defending against the charge of blasphemy against Moses as well. And look at Joseph and Moses. He used both of them. These were two leaders in the Old Testament that were revealed as God's chosen leaders. They were rejected by the people they were sent to lead and redeem. Then they redeemed them when they came back a second time, and they ruled them. So they were revealed. They were uh, rejected. They were redeeming those people, and then they ruled them. And they're foreshadowing Jesus. Well, then he goes into the law in verses 38 through 43. We looked at that yesterday, how he's saying the new covenant is not only not against God, it's not against Moses, it's not against the law either. And Jesus came to fulfill the law. And so he goes through and says, our fathers rejected the law when they built idols. They wanted to go back to Egypt. They were, they were upset because Moses was gone for 40 days. They didn't like God's plan. They didn't like what having to depend on God. And, you know, Taylor, in my life, what I see a lot of times is that the temptation to go away from God and away from his word comes when things aren't going the way I think they should go. 
when I start looking at my circumstances and I start going, I don't like this, it's real easy to remove God's word from your daily diet. When you remove his word, it's easy for you to start going away from that word because you're not in it to remind yourself how much you need him. You start feeling prideful and independent. And pride can form in two different ways. It can be a pride that says, I don't need it. I can do it. Or, you know what? I'm so bad, God doesn't love me Mm. because of my failure. Maybe you're in a problem. You're dealing with a consequence. God's grace is bigger than any problem you could ever have. God's grace and mercy can overwhelm any um, sense of shame that you have from anything you've done if you will let him. I remember being on an airplane one time with a guy who said, I've done too much in my life. God can't save me. And I'm like, so you're saying that he's not really God then? Well, no, I'm just saying that I've blown it so bad. Yeah, but if he's God, can he do anything? Can't he save anybody if he's God? And so uh, Tim or Stephen is arguing here uh, when he talks about the law is that Israel has a history of rejecting God's word You've accused me of blasphemy. You guys are the ones that blasphemous. He says, these are living oracles. God's word is living, just like it says in Hebrews. It's living and active. It's sharp, discerning. And when you suppress that truth about God, that's when you get the sexual revolution, the homosexual revolution, and then the debased mind, which is what we see. So he's dealt with God. He's dealt with Moses. He's dealt with the law. And today, In those last 44 through 50 verses, uh, he honors the temple and says, no, I'm not blaspheming the temple. The temple was only a pattern. Don't overemphasize the significance of the temple. And so read, why don't you read 44 through 50? And as Taylor reads it, I want you to think about the purpose of the temple, the purpose of the tabernacle which was the things that house the Ark of the Covenant, as Taylor reads it. And then we're going to come back and look at what Stephen actually is saying in his defense about their charge of blaspheming the temple. All right. Our our fathers had the tent of witness in the wilderness, just as he who spoke to Moses directed him to make it according to the pattern that he had seen. Our fathers in turn brought it in with Joshua, when they dispossessed the nations that God drove out before our fathers. So it was until the days of David, who found favor in the sight of God and asked to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands, as the prophet says, Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? Yep, that's... So he he's taking them back to Isaiah 66, 1, which is um, God speaking through Isaiah saying, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. You can't build a house for me on my footstool for me to dwell. It's mm. too small. Mm. And that's what Solomon acknowledges back in First uh, Kings 8 when he says, heaven cannot contain you, neither can anything that man builds. So the purpose of a temple was never to house God. It was a place that was supposed to house things that were a witness about God, i.e. his people, 
who were gathering together to worship him in accordance with the ways he's prescribed to worship. When you don't worship him the way you're supposed to, you find out like Aaron's two boys did that that ain't a good idea. He, you know, people go, well, I can just come to God. I can worship God anyway, anytime, anything I want to do. No, you come to God the way he's prescribed. And now the way he's prescribed, the only way you can come in God's presence is through Jesus. So if you don't know Jesus and you don't have faith in Jesus, you can pray all day long. It ain't going to matter because it has to come through him. He's the intervener for us. He's the one that translates, if you will, our prayers. He's the one that intercedes for us. And so uh, Stephen, when he's talking about the Timelies, he's actually honoring the temple. And again, notice this identification with these leaders. Our fathers, he says, had the tent of witness. You know what was in the tent of witness and the temple? The Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant contained a jar full of manna. That manna symbolized God's provision for his people. And it was a reminder to remind them that they could trust God to provide for them. Do you ever struggle with wondering if God's going to provide for you? I mean, wouldn't it? I mean, if you look back into your life, I'm sure you've seen jars of manna there mm-hmm. yeah. that are there, but we forget about them, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. The Real reason, quick, yeah. The reason you come together as his people is he used to bring them to a tent of witness to see that, to also see Aaron's staff. And his staff was different from the other staffs of the leaders. His butted, remember? And his staff was in there, and it symbolized God's leadership. And so they were reminded of God's leadership by that tent of witness. And the other thing that was in there was the Ten Commandments, God's Word. And so when they came together in the tabernacle or in the temple, they were reminded of God's leadership, of God's provision, and God's leadership. And so, um, I'm sorry, God's Word, God's leadership, and God's provision. And so all that went away with Jesus of Nazareth. Remember in Hebrews, when we studied Hebrews, when Jesus came, he did away with the need for those. Now... Instead of the, a copy of the Ten Commandments, we have a copy of what? His Old and New Covenant. Mm-hmm. We have the whole Bible. Now, instead of the reminder of the manna in a jar, we have a story of Jesus feeding 5,000 people and 4,000 Gentiles. And so we, we have these stories in God's Word. And so we have his 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 provision is seen in the the unfolding eyewitness accounts of the apostles who were around him. And so now, instead of the uh, the staff of Aaron's leadership, we see how God has always led his people with men who were what? Surrendered to him and surrendered to his word. And we see that in Peter and John leading Stephen, and Stephen now about to lead Saul who's going to write most of the New Testament for us. And so uh, the, the, the tabernacle, the temple, was only a picture. They were all temporary and only a picture, a pattern of what Jesus was going to be. And so that's his defense as he defends himself. All right. So stick with us. We will be back with more after the break. You're listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. 
This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. SWAT Radio is brought to you in part by Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. is a full-service sales door and window installation company. Both of the owners are licensed contractors and are involved in the daily operations of the company. All of their trucks are company-owned and fully equipped. Their mission is to provide Jacksonville and the surrounding area with door and window replacement services. To learn more, call 904-701-3667. That's 904-701-DOOR. Or online at www.astore.com. I pull, go back and forth, finding myself Pounding on a locked door I try to make it out alone without your help But I know I'll never win this war I can never be, never be free without you I can never be, never be me without That is Freedom Hymn by Austin French Welcome back to SWAT Radio. If you are just joining us, we are looking at Acts chapter 7, verses 18 through 53 this week. And today we are finishing up our look uh, on that passage with verses 44 through uh, 53. Uh, We just talked a little bit about 44 through 50, which was Stephen's defense against uh, the charge of blasphemy against the temple. So if you would like to join the discussion or you have if you have any questions, please call us at 1-844-777-7928. That's 1-844-777-SWAT. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask, A-S-K, at SWATradio.com. Well, you know, Taylor, God ordained Moses as a leader and the law for a purpose of revealing our need and the temple as a pattern and a witness of God's provision, leadership, and his word. But they all were a picture. They all were a picture of Jesus, of Nazareth. And Stephen understood that. He honored the temple. He honored the law. He honored Moses, and he honored God. And in verse 51 through 53, he now turns it all on them. And he says, you killed God's Messiah. Now, they've already been told this by Peter twice. And so this is a third time. And three strikes, you're out. I mean, and they take it out on him, and we're going to see that next week. But why don't you read 51 through 53, and keep in mind, the worst thing you could say to a Jew is that they were uncircumcised because it meant they were not of God. Mm. So go ahead and read that. All right. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You have received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. So you know what he's doing? He is presenting the bad news. You know, an American... 
evangelism a lot of times. We just want to give people good news. Mm. Good news is not good news if there's no bad news. I mean, if you get a cure but don't think you need a cure, why would you take a cure? And that's part of the problem with the way we have shared the good news about Jesus in this country is we don't tell people that they have a need. We don't surface the need. We don't share uh, with them in a way that makes them reflect on their own need. You know, all of us tend to try to justify ourselves. Nobody likes to be um, uh, highlighted any uh, any of their um, their flaws, their inabilities. If you don't believe me, just try try it with a friend tomorrow. Just go to a friend and, you know, next time you notice a flaw in them, something they say, something they do, just say, hey, I just want to be a good friend and point it out and then watch what happens mm-hmm. after the next few minutes. They won't like that too much because we don't like that. But the best thing and most loving thing you could ever do for somebody if you represent the most high God is point out to them how they are going away from the most high God and how they need him. They need the most high God to provide for them. God is a merciful God. This is now the third recorded message in front of the Sanhedrin. Uh, You have Jesus, you have the apostles twice, and now you've got, you know, Stephen. So this is fourth. I mean, the fourth, you're right. And, that's the new math, Taylor. <laughs> I'm doing that new kind of math that it can be anything I want it to be. You know, no, actually, no, that was a good catch. So it's, but it's the fourth time, the fourth time that these leaders have heard that Jesus of Nazareth is the Son of God and the Messiah, and they've rejected it. And yet God keeps bringing it back and they reject it. And he brings it back again and they reject it. And what's crazy is the Apostle Paul in the next 20 years is going to come back again. These people will continually hear it because God is merciful. And you may be out there today and you get frustrated with people in your life that you've shared and they don't buy into it. It may take years. I remember early on in the Marine Corps I was sharing with some guys and they didn't want anything to do with it. And now they're both believers and it took years for it to happen. And I wasn't even around when it happened, but I was a seed planter. I was a waterer, you know, I mean, like we all do different things and sometimes we get so frustrated because we don't see instant results and God will move in his time. And we just keep praying and keep being a witness and notice the way he did it. Oh, he, these are people who've heard the truth who continue to reject it. So he didn't mince words. He didn't go, you know what, guys, listen, I know you've heard all this, and God loves you, and he's got a great plan for your life, and you really need to come to Jesus and let him be the one that you place all your hope in. No, he said, you stiff-necked people, you uncircumcised in heart. I mean, your fathers killed the prophets that were telling about Jesus, now you killed him he goes you're guilty and he goes you had the law and you didn't keep it and so what's he doing he is revealing their need Mm -hmm. because the need has to be revealed paul in romans says there's nobody righteous 
part of the problem for us in our culture is people don't think they have a need for Jesus. I'm not that bad. Pretty good person. In fact, most of us tend to justify people based upon their moral characters or their moral, you know, kind of presentation. And people a lot of times can present morally a good picture, but they are self-motivated. They're self-led. They could care less about God. They could care less about Jesus. Well, you know, I just don't believe God's going to send somebody to hell just because they don't profess Jesus. I mean, they're good people. Why would God send these good moral people to hell? You ever heard that? Yeah. That's a big thing. That's why people buy into Rob Bell's book, Love Wins. Uh, That's why people, by the way, you don't need to read that. It's just garbage. Don't read it. It's not good. Anything by Rob Bell, Alexander McLaren, just ignore because it's all about it's all about basically Christian universalism. You know, we just get, it's all going to work out in the end. You really want to take that chance? I don't think so. Jesus said, "I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me." He didn't say, I'm a way. He said, I'm the way. And, you know, um, I've been dealing with this uh, issue in SWAT of this this statement, I am fully surrendered to the Lordship of Christ. I am his anything, anytime, anywhere. And over in Mark chapter uh, 8, when Jesus is talking to his disciples and some other people, It says in verse uh, 34, and calling the crowd to him with his disciples. So there's a distinguishing there between his crowd, you know, the crowd and his disciples, those who are already following. And it says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Wait a minute. I thought that was just a second tier discipleship thing. A mature, no, he's talking to the crowd and his disciples. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man gain, give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. That's pretty clear. That is an all-in demand if you're going to be his. If you're coming to him, he's saying, you need to be all in. I'm, I'm going to take you. I'm going to change you. And you're going to have different values. You're going to have different goals. So you have two choices. You can be stiff-necked, which means stubborn, unyielding i don't need god i'm a good person uh or you can be like the guy who beat his chest and held his head down because he goes i'm not even worthy to look up at heaven because i know i've broken god's law i know i've disappointed him i've disappointed my family i've disappointed my my spouse i've disappointed uh, god i know i have i need you jesus I need you. The whole thing about Jesus is need. 
recognizing our need. We need a Messiah, not just to do things in our life to make our life comfortable and cozy. That's what the Israelites wanted. They wanted somebody to kick Rome out and make things better for their life. Jesus did not come to make things better for your life as his end goal. He came to make things better for your eternity. When we think life, we think life just on earth. Mm -hmm. And if you look at just getting your problems taken care of, you don't understand who he is, you don't understand why he came, and you don't understand who you are and what you've done. He died on a cross to make it possible for you to be in a right relationship with a creator. And the only way that happens is in faith in him, his grace and your faith in response to that grace. That means you believe he did what he said he did. He is who he said he is, and he will do what he said he's going to do. We're looking forward to his return. And so if we're all in, that means we're surrendered to him to his leadership and his saviorhood, two sides, same coin. So I hope if you're out there and you've never bowed your heart to Jesus, that today will be the day you say, I'm with you, Jesus. I'm all in. I'm yours. Anything, anytime, anywhere. I surrender today to your lordship. You're my king. You're my savior. And I thank God that I heard this today and I'm yours. So. Yeah, that's a good way uh, to finish up the day. And I pray that you guys uh, listen to Doug and that and, and are felt led and compelled to, to pray that. But that's all the time we've got for today. You've been listening to SWAT Radio. If you missed any of this program or would like to listen to past programs, please visit us at www.swatradio.com. That's www.swatradio.com. And click on the past programs link, and there you'll be able to find all of our episodes. Or you can listen to our podcast by searching SWAT Radio. And you can also download our SWAT app in the App Store. Join us weekdays at 3 o'clock for, for more SWAT Radio. And tomorrow, you and I will be back for Anything Goes. Yes. Because Friday is Tommy Nelson. Yes, so make sure that you call in tomorrow yeah. and uh, tune in then. Thanks for tuning in today. We'll see you tomorrow. If you missed a SWAT Radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT Radio is strengthening spiritual